Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. So here's a glorious truth that we see in Scripture that we're coming back and we are going to reign with Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 22. Jesus told the disciples, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They will be judged. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? No, that was written in the context of believers taking other believers to court. Here they are. They have this glorious position with Jesus Christ. They're called saints. And they have disputes in the church. And what are they doing? They're bringing them to Caesar's court. They're letting a pagan, unbelieving judge decide the matter. The Bible says, don't you understand that that you're going to be judging the world? That you're going to be entrusted with much greater matters? What are you doing with these disputes? And so we believe here at Christ Community Church, if there's somebody in our church suing somebody else, That is wrong. You're supposed to go to the elders of the church. And you're supposed to commit judgment into their hands and let them come up with the ruling. And you're supposed to be fine with that ruling. It's what bothers me about marriages in the church. They want pastor to marry them. Well, why? Because we feel blessed and it's going to be in the church and blessed. And then the minute they start having problems, they run to Caesar's court for divorce. Caesar's going to decide how much time you get with your children. Caesar's going to decide how much money is appropriate. All of these things that are not to be in the church because of our position. It's amazing what we have here. The believers who came to Christ during the tribulation are also going to reign with Christ. Look at the end of verse 4. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the Word of God. He sees these souls and they're characterized by their loyalty to Jesus Christ. That's one thing that isn't even going to be hazy during the tribulation period is the loyalty to Jesus Christ. You're going to have people undergoing persecution to the point of beheading. And these who are going to judge and reign with the saints are the martyrs of the tribulation period. Souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is an incredible truth to me. The rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. There's a second resurrection coming. And that we're going to see in just a moment. But this first resurrection, verse 6, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Let me just explain something to you concerning the resurrection. The first resurrection 
it wasn't a one-time instantaneous event. The first resurrection actually happens in phases. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. Then there's the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The dead in Christ shall rise, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to be with him forevermore. So the second phase is the rapture of the church. That's you and me. That's you and me. If you die today and you're buried in the ground, there's good news for you. You're going to rise at the rapture of the church. There's going to be a glorified body for you. How many are looking for that glorified body? Man, I wake up some mornings and my shoulders hurt, and I'm like, Jesus, it couldn't be too soon. And then there's the resurrection of the Old Testament saints that Daniel chapter 12 speaks of, and I believe that takes place at the end of the tribulation period, and they will reign. And then you've got the martyred saints that are martyred during the tribulation period. All of this is part of the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. In the first resurrection. Jesus spoke about the resurrection. In John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29, he said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. There's two resurrections that are going to take place. First one happens in phases. Second one we're going to see in just a moment. But the fact that you will be raised and given a glorified body and given judgment, let that sink in for a moment that you will be given responsibility. And that's why stewardship here is so important, you guys. It's not just because we love Jesus, that's our overriding motive to be faithful with what He's given us, the resources that He's given us. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 19. Some of you will recall it. In Luke 19, He says, there was a noble man, and he went away to a far country to inherit a kingdom. But to his servants, he entrusted ten minus. And then he came back and he held them account into account. The minus, by the way, in the parable speaks of our life potential. It speaks about the time we have here. It speaks about the talent, the gifts that God has given us. It speaks about the treasures that He has given us. All of us have a life potential. All of you were given years to live. All of you have gifts that God has blessed you with, that you've got talents that can be used for building up His church. All of you are given a certain amount of treasure. And how we steward that here determines our responsibility of authority during the millennial reign. When the guy comes back, the nobleman who is a picture of Jesus and holds his servants into account on what they did with the minus, one servant says he did great, and Jesus says to him, you did great. Well done, he says, servant. He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant at that time, but he says, well done. He says, you'll be over 10 cities. And then to the next one, the next servant did well too. He brought an increase with the resources that God had blessed him with. 
And he says, well done to him. And he says, you shall be over five cities. The other one, he just buried the talent. He wasn't really saved. He, he gets cast out into outer darkness. He was, you know, in the nobleman's house. He was a servant there. But the very fact that he says he buried it and Jesus said, get away, you wicked servant. Do you see that? The point of the parable is that our responsibility and the authority that God gives us is based on our stewardship, what we do with the things that he gives us here in this earth. Some of you are going to be over 10 cities. Some of you are going to be over five cities. I like that. Walterville. <laughs> Grisselville. And that's true. There's going to be government during the millennial reign, and Jesus is going to pull out his rulership through the world during this time. And it's going to be a very different world. The sin is going to be put in check. Somebody's going to go to steal a watch at Walmart. And he's going to look both ways and he's going to take that watch and he's going to try and slide it in his pocket and somebody's going to pop up and say, uh-uh, no dice. Sorry, Charlie. It's going to be a very different world and you're going to reign with Christ during that time. But you have to understand our responsibility is going to be given according to what we do with the stuff that he's always entrusted us with. It's amazing when you think about the eternal consequences of what we do with our time and our treasure and our talent. What the scriptures say, that isn't the only parable. Jesus told many parables of stewardship, but it's so important in God's eyes. The third thing I want you to see is the depravity of sinners. And this kind of taken me back because in verse 7, Satan is released once again. Satan is released once again. After the thousand years is finished, Satan is released once again. And people always ask, why would God release Satan again? And there's a perfect answer for it. Because people born in the millennial reign of Christ, first of all, you're going to last a long time. You're going to have a fountain of youth in the millennial reign of Christ. You're going to live the entire time. Those who are born in the millennial reign, they're going to live for a thousand years. So they're going to have great grandkids and great, 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 great <laughs> families are going to expand. And there's a simple answer for this complex question. Why is Satan released once again? Because you have to choose. People born in the millennial reign are going to have to choose. You know, Rabbi Zacharias, I heard him say something the other day. He said, love is the supreme ethic that God has given us. Love is the supreme ethic that God has given us. And love cannot exist unless free will is intertwined within that. In other words, if you did not have the ability to make free will choices and decisions, that really isn't love. If I held a shotgun to Griselle's head and said, marry me, and she married me, that isn't love. And so you have a choice. That's what love always is. Love is a decision. It is a decision that we have to make. And after the millennial reign is all done, that Satan's going to be released again, and people are going to have the choice to make. They are either going to choose to follow God, 
Right? I mean, that's the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that is a decision we make. People say they love God all the time, but they make the wrong decisions. They, they make decisions that don't prove they love God. They actually make decisions that prove they're contrary to God. So it's more than lip service. And when we say we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's what that's speaking of, strength. It's played out physically in our lives. And so, so people at this time, they're going to be, there's going to be a ton of people born during the millennial period, and Satan is going to be released one more time. And what blew me away about this passage is once Satan was released, the world flocked to him. Can you imagine living under the reign of Christ for the equivalent of 14 lifetimes? 14 lifetimes living under the perfect, righteous rule and reign of Christ. And then Satan's released and deciding to go after Satan. It doesn't even make sense to me, but it shows you how powerful Satan is in his deception. And it also shows the depravity of sinners. And I think during this time we, we see where Satan will be released from prison his prison, he will go out to deceive the nations which are on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. A lot of people equate this with the war of Ezekiel 38 because Gog and Magog is mentioned there, but there's too many differences to be the same war. So most scholars think that it's Gog and Magog being symbolic of those who have rebelled against God, the rebellion in their heart. And they went up. Look at this. This is mind-blowing to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. After being under the rule of Christ for so long, they're going to make this decision. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, Jerusalem. God's going to prove two things here. He's going to prove two things. One, that the depravity of sinners doesn't change over time. Including 14 lifetimes, it's not going to change. That, that even under the rule and righteous reign of Christ, ruling with the rod, putting sin in check, the heart never changed. That's why our relationship with Christ is more than rules and regulations. It's what God does with a changed heart. There's people that can conform to religion. They can conform to a set of rules, a set of laws. But inside, there's been no inward change. And so the depravity of sinners over this time doesn't even change. We saw this in the religious leaders with Jesus Christ. They saw his miracles. They saw him do things that nobody else did before. And what did they do? They crucified him. They crucified him. There was no change inwardly. Instead of bowing and saying, this is the Messiah, truly he could be nothing else. The pravity of sin is, is unbelievable. The second thing God will prove after the thousand-year reign is that the only thing left for the depraved heart is eternal judgment. It's all. It's eternal judgment. People always want to be friends with the world. 
Christians want to compromise their standards and be friends with the world, and it never turns out good. And here, the perfect opportunity for everybody to live in peace and harmony. During the thousand-year reign, it doesn't turn out well for the world. Again, the world always fails and the world always disappoints. So look at the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty takes place at the head of Satan. He deceives them. Anti-Semitism is going to be on the rise during that time. They're going to come against Israel. They're going to come against Jerusalem. And they're going to surround the beloved city of God. They surround the beloved city. I've been there in many times and I can see why it's called the beloved city. There's something about that city where God said in 1 Chronicles 3 that that's where he would hang his name forever. And they surround the beloved city getting ready for this like what Saddam Hussein would define as the mother of all battles. And here's what happens. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. not even a contest. When we talk about the sovereignty of God, we're saying that God is all-powerful and He has all authority. That's what we mean. Sovereignty is a theological term saying we believe that God has all power and He has all authority. And God exercises His sovereignty in defeating his enemies, but he also exercises sovereignty in defeating Satan. Look at this. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. God exercises his sovereignty In judging Satan, but he also exercises his sovereignty when judging unbelievers. Every unbeliever that has ridiculed God, every unbeliever who has snubbed their nose at God, every unbeliever who has cursed God, God will exercise his power at the great white throne judgment, and this is the destiny of all unbelievers. The destiny of those who have rejected God will be very different than those who have received Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you realize that we fervently preach the gospel here because we understand what this says in verses 11 through 15? We understand the destiny of every unbeliever, and we know that every Sunday morning there are unbelievers that come to church here. We know that they have come and we know that they are hearing the word, but they've not surrendered their lives, their hearts to Christ. They've never called on Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the reason we preach the gospel is because we understand what the Bible says about the destiny of every unbeliever. The destiny of unbelievers begins at the great white throne judgment that you see in verse 11. There's a great white throne There's a great white throne, great meaning that there is no throne that is higher than God's. There is no judgment that is greater than God's. This is the final and highest court of appeal right here. This is it. It is described as white because God's judgment will be absolutely holy. It will be absolutely perfect and it will be absolutely 
just, and there is going to be no place to hide. They will try and hide, but look at that. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. There will be no place to hide. Just like in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve first committed their sin, they ran from God, and God hunted them down, and God exercised judgment on them at that time. There is going to be no place to hide. All of heaven and earth is going to flee away. And this is spoken of in 2 Peter chapter 3. In verse 10 it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Every unbeliever is going to stand before God, small and great. Verse 12 I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Can you imagine? Every deed will be called into account. In verse 12, books were opened. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You need to see that this is not a blanket judgment for every unbeliever. Each one is judged personally. Each one is judged personally. It says, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. There's a rap sheet on every single unbeliever in this world. Every sin that was contrary to God's perfect holiness and standard of righteousness is recorded. It's recorded. It is kept. It is kept. There's a rap sheet. And it's not a corporate judgment. It isn't like there's a bunch of people there and God says you've all sinned and boom. These books are going to be opened and the charges are going to be read. Every single charge. Because God is perfect and He's righteous in all of His judgments. A lot of people want to deny the existence of hell. But look at verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. Death speaks of the physical death. Hades is the holding cell of the soul. Your body may cease physically, but the soul never dies. And they're raised, and each one is judged. Look at that. Verse 13, and they were judged, each one according to their works. When they are raised, they're not going to have a righteous, glorified body like you and I will receive at the end of time. Theirs is going to be a body that's suited for hell and eternal punishment. Condemnation that comes from this, the eternal condemnation then death in Hades, verse 14, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is not a ceasing to exist. It is what was spoken of of Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist, the unholy trinity, and all of the followers followed Satan, rejected God, rejected his love, will be in the same boat they are. The torment will never stop. This is what the Scriptures say. People don't want to talk about hell. I don't want to talk about hell. I don't like the subject. But not talking about it doesn't make it go away. 
People want to deny the existence of a place like this in hell. So you got liberal theologians that are butchering God's word in spite of what Jesus said, in spite of what the scriptures say. But denying its existence doesn't make it go away. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.